0: Welcome. I'm Riley Karsh. I'm Tova Copan. We are thrilled to bring you the We Go Boldly podcast.
1: Let's talk big burning questions, life changes, and maybe a bit of personal business.
0: Let's be bold and brave together. Are you ready? I am. Here comes the show. everybody and welcome to we go boldly the podcast. We are so very happy to have you with us this season. Uh well, we're always happy to have you with us, <laughs> but we're especially happy to have you with us this season 7 where we are embracing our power and we are talking about all things embracing power. I'm being repetitive today, but that's all right. Um I'm just really excited cuz we have our first guest of the season and uh that always makes me excited. But I'm supposed to be introducing myself, which I told myself I would work on this season because I keep failing to do that. So, I'm Riley and this is I'm Tova. Yes. And we are the uh, co-hosts of We Go Boldly, and we are very excited because we have our first guest of the season, we're talking about embracing our power, we're going to hear from some Uh, different perspectives than our own, which is always exciting to me. I know that uh, I talk about that a lot. I like to hear from other people and hear what other people have to say about these kinds of things that we talk about on the podcast. So before we jump into all of that and we introduce our new friend to the show, I will of course ask Tova my delightful wonderful. I was going to say delicious which was really going to take <laughs> us in a whole different direction. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know yeah. what that was coming from. It's um, a new one. I know. It, and I might actually stick with it. So just fair warning everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but my delightful wonderful fantastical co-host Tova, how are you doing today? I am good. I am I'm am cold and I
1: I am I love cold fall like rainy days. Well, you're
0: getting it. You're getting yes. it. It is like, <laughs> like a deluge out there.
1: I have a sweater on. I have my Uggs on inside. I have a blanket <laughs> on my lap. I w- I did go for a walk this morning, so I like have the chill of being out in the rain for an hour, but okay. um I I love these days.
0: That was brave. I love them until my roof starts leaking and then I don't <laughs> love them as much. So. Well, and and let me add,
1: I work from home. If I had to go places today, I would be like, I would love you if I could stay at home. (laughs) So let me be clear.
0: Um, I get it. That's fair enough. But
1: I am also super excited about our guest. And I want to just jump right in because we've been so excited just to have this conversation. And we haven't been able to because we were having technical difficulties. Yes,
0: it was one of those days. Yes. So
1: I'm just going to just hop right in. Yeah, do it. And um, I want to introduce our guest. Our guest is Amy Nelson. I am going to take a big breath. Uh, Well, first I'll say welcome, Amy, but I want to take a big breath and tell you all about her. And I say I need a big breath because her um, biography, her resume is amazing. So Amy Nelson is the founder and co-CEO of The Riveter, which is a startup that provides co-working content and community for working women. Um, She graduated from Emory University and New York School of Law, where after that, she practiced corporate litigation with a focus on high-profile First Amendment matters for over a decade in New York City and Seattle. And I'm just, I'm getting caught on this because I follow Amy closely on social media, and I feel like, to a certain extent, I know her very well, as we all think we do when (laughs) we follow someone on social media. (laughs) Same, by the way, Um, same. Yeah. But I was like, oh, First Amendment matters. Interesting. I did not know that. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to the book is all I'm saying. Um, She also served on President Obama's National Finance Committee, where she co-chaired Gen 44, the under 40 fundraising arm of the campaign. She also previously worked with President Carter's The Carter Center. Um, She is the mother of four daughters, uh aged i don't i i see it says six and under i don't think they're six and under anymore um but they're still quite young and uh she is a contributor for inc and the host of iHeart radio is what her what's her story with sam and amy in addition to raising 30 million dollars in venture capital to grow the riveter she has been pro- published all over the place um the today show refinery 29 buzzfeed the washington post seattle times and has spoken all across the world, Fortune's Most Powerful Women, Cans Lions, and South by Southwest. It's amazing. And so we are so excited to have you here. Um, welcome, Amy. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome. Um, well, we, we know you are very busy, so we really appreciate you taking the time um, to hop on with us. And as uh, you heard Riley describe, this whole season is about talking about how women embrace our own power, how what we kind of like what we need to do first to be able to do that. And so um, we are going to just jump right in. No warm ups to the questions. Um, so do you remember the first time that you felt powerful?
2: I do. I mean, the very first time I think I felt powerful. Um in my life as a child uh, was when I went to my first wilderness sleepaway camp. I went to camp when I was 13 in Northern Minnesota. I grew up in Ohio. I didn't know anyone who'd gone to a sleepaway camp for two weeks. And my parents gave me this incredible opportunity and I was terrified. And I said, yes. Um, And I remember when I got there feeling very afraid but I signed up to go on this week-long canoe trip and you're out in the wilderness with just like your sleeping bag of tent, your canoes and you're going and it's incredibly hard and difficult but I remember halfway through it thinking I'm actually doing this like I am paddling all day I am moving the canoe I am getting through portages like I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm doing it and it was this I think for me the reason I say I felt powerful is that I realized You don't have to know how to do something before you do it. You can still do it and get it done. And like that is a very powerful thought. Um, It might sound simple, but it's a really important thing to learn.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's not, it sounds simple, but it's very hard to put into practice. And I think it's something that so many people struggle with, particularly perfectionists. Um, speaking from personal mm-hmm. experience. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's something that people really, really struggle with. Um, but just to back up, what do you think prepared you in life to make that decision at 13? I, I know a lot of you know young kids would have a hard time making the choice to go ahead and strike out on their own and go to two weeks of sleepaway camp, and then to go one week on a a canoe trip. I mean, those things are scary. Those are risks, right? At that age. Were there things before that that your family dynamics created in you that helped you take those risks and make those choices?
2: I mean, I have to give the credit to my parents. My parents are remarkable. So... My parents both are people who paid their way through Ohio State, we grew up, I grew up in Columbus, they grew up in Columbus, they paid their way through Ohio State. They worked incredibly hard and they loved us so much, me and my sister, and they really wanted for us a life of choices. And so as part of that, you know, they were constantly like try new things, do, do different things, like see where the world takes you, don't be afraid of it, and, um, and they gave us just these incredible opportunities that I feel so privileged to have had. I mean, I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a little girl and would always make planets and, and things. And my my mother drove me to Huntsville, Alabama to go to space camp when I was in fourth grade because she was just constantly encouraging my sister and I to chase our dreams. And I really believe that when you have a lot of love that surrounds you, you feel very safe and then you feel safe to fail. I don't know if I you know knew it I viewed it that way when I was a child, but I know it now, right, as I'm raising my kids, right, like giving people that ability that you're safe to try things, you're safe to fail, Um, and it leads you to take bigger strikes in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's such a, like you said, it's such a gift because so many of us, um, particularly I think girls and women are not raised that way and particularly our generation was not raised that way you know we were all around the same age and we were raised in that generation that came into the the pink and blue separation right like unfortunately um and so we find that we are battling that stereotype of uh and that social conditioning that separated us from you know the male female separation and so it's such a gift that you were able to kind of grow up in a in a different way which is wonderful um when you and uh, sorry Tova I'm taking over and I will stop it um, <laughs> that's okay I'm sorry but I'm not sorry um know, when I you when, <laughs> I do this all the time but she'll she'll get me back later when you <laughs> um when you were on that canoe trip and you had that sort of like aha moment of okay I'm I'm doing it I didn't know I could do it now I'm doing it did you feel it physically or was it like an emotional sensation can you kind of describe it was it you know it's just for other people who maybe haven't had that moment yet or or don't realize they've had it which is definitely something that could have happened right um can you try and describe it a little bit yeah because I've had it you know
2: many times in my life since then because I've either willingly or sometimes unwillingly put myself into these crazy situations <laughs> over and over again where I'm like, yep. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Right. Um, is that it is really both like a physical and an emotional feeling. Cause, because often you'll, I think, I don't think you often feel it when you're sitting in a chair. I think you often feel powerful when you're doing something and it could be, you know, later in my life, it was getting over my fear of public speaking, right? Because it was a very physical sensation the day that happened. But it's, so it's using your body to be in the world, but then also like it is emotional because it's like, it's a moment of pride. Like we should all be very proud of ourselves when we realize that we're doing something that many people would be afraid of or that we were afraid of and that we're still doing it. And that that's what power is.
1: Yeah, it's. It's interesting you say that. So my um, dad and stepmom sent me on Outward Bound as my wow. 16th birthday present. Amazing. And it was it was like a week long and I was the youngest. I actually had to like write a letter as to why they should let me in when I was 15 because it was mm-hmm. before my 16th. And what I remember is, I mean, I remember all of the amazing things and it was also, it was on the water. We were rafting through Colorado and Utah. And But afterwards, and I've never thought about it since, until you said it, this, like, I remember when my dad picked me up from the airport, they said, I just looked like my, my posture had changed. And I always had good posture. I rode horses and stuff, but it was mm-hmm. like, they said, I I looked different. And to me, I remember thinking that's dumb. I, I always am this person, but I wonder now that we're having this conversation, like maybe I was, a moment where like the inside of who I was and the outside was just getting a little bit more in alignment. Like, Yeah. You know, like it, I was like, I've always been this person who can do this and, Mm -hmm. but maybe I didn't know that, or maybe it was just kind of doing that. I also just, um, before you keep going, want to commend your parents because I could see, and I, and I'm now I'm thinking about things I've said to my kids where I'm encouraging them to try new things. But like, I, I know that something that might hold my oldest son back would be the money that it would take to go to space camp yeah. and the the amount of time it would take for me to drive them down him to Alabama. And he would think that he had to love it. And yeah. it sounds like your parents gave you the freedom to try something and be okay saying, I didn't, it wasn't my thing.
2: It, it's really interesting. I think about this a lot because I was reading a piece of advice recently that said, don't talk to your kids about money and what things cost. Because i find myself doing it now because my kids will want and want and want right because we live in this right world where they're served ads every five seconds yes. in different mediums and yeah. um and so sometimes i'm like well you know that cost eight dollars and if you worked at this restaurant you might make eight dollars an hour are you willing to work an hour and my kid is my oldest is eight and like she has no idea what i'm talking well she does but but <laughs> yeah. the point is this this article is like you shouldn't talk to your kids about that because we don't wanna put them in that mind frame. And I thought it was really interesting because I thought back to my parents who, you know, I was raised with great privilege, solidly middle class to upper middle class. Like, you know, my parents, my mom was a teacher, my dad was a lawyer. And I was working from the time I was 14, but I was working because I wanted to, and I wanted to make my own money, but my parents didn't talk to me about money in this way that I was calculating everything. And I, i i don't want to make them seem irresponsible because they weren't like somehow my, whenever i think about parenting i'm like what did my parents do that's like the question i always ask myself because i think they were amazing but um but they taught me to be responsible but they didn't teach me to to worry in that sense when i was younger when i was trying all of those things
1: yeah i think it's a i think it's a fine line and i know i've talked to my kids about budgeting mm-hmm. and how we make choices with our money because To be honest there are times that i say no because i do not have the money and it is not a choice it is just no but i you know and that happens yeah i was gonna say even yesterday my son was like can you can we buy this on the thing it'll be my money but i can you pay for it and i was i was busy and fine last night but he's like i can't wait until i get a job and i i know it was just so he wouldn't have to wait two and a half hours for me to not be busy so that he could just buy whatever he wanted (laughs) like even though it's like his allowance money but we talk about it's not in the budget because we're choosing to spend our money on something else right and so that's how because the reading i've done that seems like a a safer way like you can make choices with your money and so they don't need to know that i might be saying no because it is literally not in the budget right. but it, but we can also say like figuratively it's not in the like we're making choices with our money we're doing something else we're like mm-hmm. let's sit on that for a little bit and if it's something that we really want yeah yeah. Um,
2: but it's was, it's hard. It is hard. I was thinking back as you were saying that to the one thing that my parents did do with money when I was growing up. And my parents had a rule that if you committed to something, you were doing it because, yep. they, well, yep. A, because they paid for it and B, because you committed. And so that was like, that was a big lesson for me because I was thinking about it because – I, another way I talk to my oldest daughter is she takes tennis every week and she's in a clinic and she goes twice a week. And my eight-year-old is tennis obsessed, but sometimes she doesn't want to go. And I'm like, "You signed up, we yeah. paid for it, you committed, you're going." Yeah. And um, that taught me a lot.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's the rule in our house as well. Like, Same here. You don't have to do it forever, but you have to do it until the this time like,
1: you can. Yeah, have... yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I've <laughs> also added an addendum to um, to that, which is. I will not fight you like you, you're you not only agreeing to go, you're agreeing to not put up a fight every time you have in the one case with right. my son, Cub Scouts. You weren't sure that you liked it last year. So sit on it and make sure you want to do it because like I'm not going to get in a fight with you about going to Cub Scouts each week. Yeah, it's not going to be a battle to the car. Yeah, like you're yeah. either going to do it or you're not. Yeah. And and it's OK. Um, I want to take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, ask some more questions. So we'll
0: be right back from from a break. Hey Tova, you know what I love?
1: Coffee, definitions, uninterrupted reading time.
0: Okay. All of those things are true. But I also love maps. As in Siri, take me to the beach? Yeah. Also as in, uh, who am I really? And who do I want to (laughs) be?
1: Yeah, I figured that's what you meant. But I also have the beach on my mind. So...
0: Well, we were talking about things we love, so that definitely makes sense. But the map I was thinking about is our Defining You course. Yes,
1: we put together Defining You as a way to map where you
0: are and how you want to live your life. So true. So many people struggle to find their purpose in a busy and noisy world. That's why we made
1: Defining You. Our course meant to guide you to creating your own mission
0: statement. And there's good news. You can get it now on teachable.com. Find the link on our website at goboldlyinitiative.com backslash courses, or check out the link on our Instagram bio at Go Boldly Together.
1: We can't wait to see you there. Now let's head back to the show. And welcome back. So we asked you your most um, sort of powerful moment. Um, on the flip side, I wanna ask you when you have felt the most, the weakest in your life.
2: Oh, well, that's complicated. As you know, if you follow (laughs) me on social media, I'll try to make it brief. Um, But in April of 2020, um, it's right, you know, right after the pandemic started, my husband and I had four little girls. We were living in Seattle where we'd been for eight years and I had started my startup, The Riveter. The Riveter was just about three years old. I'd grown up from an idea to about 150 employees and $20 million run rate in three years. And then the pandemic happened and turned everything upside down. The Riveter is, was co-working in event spaces. It is now um, co-working community and content, but setting that aside, it's April of 2020. And um, one morning we got a knock on the door and it was the FBI. And uh, my husband's former employer, Amazon, had accused him of a crime called private sector honest services fraud, which is depriving your private employer of your honest services. Um, and that set off a chain, a years long chain of really hard events. My husband was never charged with the crime, but um, the threats to charge him with a crime were very real. There were threats that the FBI would come and arrest him in the morning in our house in front of our kids for months. Um, the government used civil forfeiture to empty out our bank accounts, which is, I'd never heard of civil forfeiture, but it's, um, the government is able to seize your money on suspicion of a crime without charging you or proving it. And so, I mean, it was, it, it really was, we talk about moments in our lives that bring us to our knees and like that, that brought me to my knees because, um, we lost everything but each other. And, uh, you know, looking back, there are a lot of gifts from that moment in our lives, we learned who we are, what we're capable of, but it was really hard and I felt really weak because I think I felt the most weak because I didn't know how to how to move forward or when you're stuck in some something like that, like you can't just turn it off, you can't press pause, you can't do anything. It's this constant and relentless trauma um, that you still have to parent through, that you have to figure out how to make money through. Um, and it, I felt very weak for a long time because of it.
0: When you experience something like that, which is sort of a, an ongoing trauma that you have, like you say, you have no capacity to pause. There is no, there's no mm-hmm. stop button. You can't just be like, no, just give me a minute. Yeah. Um, how do you manage those feelings of vulnerability and, and weakness? How do you deal with that? What do you do?
2: The way that I started looking at it is like the best way to think of it is I started this in my own mind, this idea of like magical compartmentalization. I was, I, as best as I could, I would, in my mind, take this box and shove it to the side to get through the day. Mm -hmm. And then I would let myself feel it when I needed to feel it or when we got a phone call or when something happened because things happened. Like there was a search warrant that was terrifying. Right. Like to live through something like that is absolutely terrifying. And um, but as 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 much as it was possible, I just started literally my mind, like shoving things to the side and moving forward because you you have to keep moving. Because like, especially when you have kids, you can't be like, I'm just not parenting today. And like there was no backup. It was the pandemic. Like in another world, my mother would have come to my mother, my amazing savior, like would have come to Seattle and helped us. But she couldn't. Um, and so my sister like we were alone on an island and so you just had to kind of put things in boxes and keep keep moving forward
1: how so I I don't know if I'm a I'm a pretty good compartmentalizer I'm not sure that I've reached your level of magical compartmentalizing but I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pretty good at it so I you know in order we always say on the podcast that you know you have to you have to be able to feel your feelings though. Like, mm-hmm. because then you just, you get, you get stuck in a box. Right. So how did you know, like, I mean, sometimes, like you said, you'd get a phone call and you'd have no choice. You'd be feeling the feelings because it was so overwhelming. But how did you know when you're like, you know what? I need to take a pause. I, I need to take a pause if I can and like feel these feelings, like pull the box out and let myself feel this because otherwise either the box will explode <laughs> or I will just get get trapped? Like, how did you know when you needed to let yourself have those moments of, of actually feeling all that was happening to you?
2: So if I need to cry, I would just go away from the kids, and I would let myself do it. But I, I didn't do it in front of the kids. But the other thing that, and this is just because of who I am, eventually the thing I realized is if I start fighting, I can channel basically everything into the fight, right? Like, because I mean, I still cry sometimes, right? Like, this is. I I. We believe the FBI investigation is over. You don't really know these things, but like it's been years and we believe that part is over, but Amazon is still suing my husband. And um, so these things still happen and I still have a lot of trauma around doorbells. It is like a horrible trauma to have. Um, But I I channel a lot of it into fighting and to trying to, to get to what I think is justice or truth. And so I use it and put it somewhere now rather than ignoring it.
0: So, would you would it be fair to say that the sort of activism and and I don't mean to say activism in, as well, maybe I do mean activism, but <laughs> activism is kind of one of the ways that you take back your power and that's like a channel for you and, and one of the, the means by which you do feel powerful and, and you are able to embrace your power?
2: A hundred percent because, so my situation is like wildly extreme and not normal, right? Sure. So like a trillion dollar company starts hunting your family. But there are many situations in our lives where people who seemingly who have a lot more power than us try to make us small. Right. It can happen in your workplace with a colleague or a manager. It can happen in your family. It can happen, you know, with a with a spouse that you want to leave. It can. Ha- I mean, it can happen in so many different ways. Yep. And the the goal of that person is to make you small, is to make you quiet, and there's so much power in just saying no. I will not be made small, and I will not be quiet. It's terrifying, but I always think, and this is a, I, like I make a lot of decisions in life this way. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> and so, like, if somebody's already being an asshole, and they're already mad, and they're already being a jerk, like. If you fight back, like, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? They're just gonna be like more angry. Right. Like, you know, it's like you, like, there's there's something really powerful in just saying, I won't be small, I won't be silent.
0: Do you have any daily practices that you put into practice? Sorry for the double (laughs) Uh, practice, practice. Um, Do you do anything every day that helps you sort of stay the course, that helps you like pursue that pathway for yourself?
2: I mean, I am constantly asking myself the question that I just voiced out loud, like, well, okay, so I'm afraid to do this, but like, what is the worst that's going to happen? Right. I mean, it, it goes like, it's how I ended up starting my company with the Riveter because you know, like over 90% of startups fail, 98% of venture capital dollars go to men. So like the odds are very much not in your favor, especially as a woman, but um, I, you know when I, I I looked at it and I'm like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I fail like I don't die right like if the riveter fails like it doesn't mean I die it doesn't mean my life is over. it means you you try the next thing. And so my daily practice is constantly asking myself like, well, what's the worst can have that can happen? And I will tell you like I take massive swings even still like there's I had a ton of fear for a long time like okay I am in what happened with my husband became very, very public and then we decided to be very public about it because you know if you're not then whatever amazon says becomes the truth when it's not the truth um and so and i had a lot of fear like will people still work with me will you know x y and z and i finally had to be like well the worst thing that can happen is i ask them and they say yes we won't work with you but the best thing that can happen is they're like of course we'll still work with you and i would say it's probably half and half that i get but like if I hadn't even been willing to take, ask the question, I'd be at zero. I wouldn't be as past the starting line. And so just being really to, willing to put yourself in that scenario is really important.
1: Yeah. I've heard it as in, um, don't answer no on behalf of someone else. Like, That's good, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, right. Don't assume that someone else will say no and just give them the no. Right? Yeah, um, totally. I, I would imagine that um, I don't know if this because you're st- <laughs> because you're still actively in the trauma. It's hard yeah. to figure this out. But how do you ensure that decisions you make or choices you make are coming from that sense of of purpose that you have the 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 person pre the super traumatic ongoing event versus which I know you have you have changed right. So there's still mm-hmm. like, but how do you know the decisions and the choices you make are coming from? that core of who you truly are versus some trauma response or somebody else's expectations of what you should be doing?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question, Tova. And I think, you know, I always think about what my north stars are and my north stars became ever more clear during all this. Like if they're, they actually really changed, I think, not even just became more clear because I think, I think before all of this happened, I really liked the idea of shiny things and chasing something that seemed shinier or different i don't know how to put it um like i wanted to build my company because i wanted to do two things i wanted to create generational wealth for my family and second i wanted to build a company that put women first to show that you could build a company that put women first that could be a billion dollar company and um now like although i would still like to create generational wealth for my children I think that the generational wealth isn't just money. It's like the legacy of time and love, which is what my parents gave me. And that's super important. And so it's a slower, it seems somewhat slower and less shiny, but it's better. But I'm always thinking about like what the North Star is and the in the decisions that I'm making. Um and I try to do I try to do that. Like I don't I don't make decisions out of the trauma, I don't think. Um but I try to think about what's best for our family.
0: So it's interesting that I I think once you've gone through a, a challenging life event or <laughs> you reflect back on you know your life and you realize that life itself is a challenging event um, and you're able to put perspective around you know, your experiences and the things you've gone through, and sort of touch back into all of those things you are able to put a little more perspective around kind of what your your core values are and that sounds like to me what you're talking about and so do you feel like i we don't like silver linings here Mm -hmm. at at, (laughs) at our podcast we try to avoid them because silver linings just Tend to be toxic positivity in disguise, <laughs> um, right. but that being said, you know, taking from your experience and everything you've gone through, like you know your your childhood sounds like it it developed you into a, the kind of person that is strong and in touch with your your sort of inner voice, your inner knowing, and then you went through this like just I don't I can't say what I want to say because we're going to be you know broadcasting this um but this truly astounding circumstance and then that wrapped all of that knowing in some perspective which um I think is uh is great not I mean it's awful but it's great (laughs) I I mean I get what you're saying I think look I don't
2: like silver linings and like I hate saying that like things happen for a reason because terrible things don't happen to people for a reason. No. Like children don't, no. There's no reason a child like, dies. There's no. Like, it's not, it's, it's like, not a thing, right? It's
0: not a thing. It's like not, like God isn't like out there like, you know. Right. No, that's somebody not, can
1: learn a lesson from this. So yeah, we'll just yes. have something horrible yeah. happen. <laughs> right. Just,
0: like there's no puppet I, strings. Yeah, I, I I can't stand that
2: stuff. But, but I will yeah. say, I think there's two things. I think like, I now know in a very clear way that terrible things can and will happen in most people's lives. Yeah. I would say I lived a very charmed life up until this moment. And terrible things will happen and that you will keep living. The most terrible things can happen and you just keep going. Right. And and I think, you know, and I try to tell my kids that and talk to them about it that terrible things happen in the world. It's no one's fault sometimes. It's not it's just like terrible things happen and that's the world, right? It's it's and so but then I think the second thing is I think I was finally able to articulate this to myself the other day. Although not much of the life I'm living is a life I would have chosen. There's a ton of beauty in it. And if I don't see that, it's my own fault, right? There's a ton of beauty in where I am and and getting to spend time with my kids and my husband. And, and so I'm lucky for that, right? We have to be lucky for the things that we have.
0: Do you find yourself being more intentional now and more intentional about the way in which you're moving through your life and the way in which you're using your power that that you've that you're embracing? Yes. I mean, I was
2: uh, so I worked on Wall Street as a Wall Street lawyer. Like I think I went from like sweet Ohio childhood to like I work on Wall Street. And I was like it was like very fast, very furious, lots of yelling,
0: you know, yeah, very I, hard. I can right. relate. Yes. By the way, I just, <laughs> yeah, just like, so you know, I, right. yeah, I grew up in New Hampshire, Vermont, and New Jersey, and then I worked on Wall Street, and it was yeah, very,
2: yeah, very similar. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, and I think, like, without really noticing, you, like, become, become, yeah. you change. Yeah. You shift into where you are, and um, <laughs> I feel like I am a better person now, both for mm-hmm. myself and for the people around me, is yes. the best way to put it. <laughs> I understand. I don't know if anyone else out there is reading between the lines, but I am. <laughs>
0: um, so we need to take one more break, and I think we'll do that. And then when we come back, maybe we can do some uh, – well, I don't know, Tova, you might have another wrap-up question, and then we can do some quick response I might questions. have one more question. All right, excellent. We'll be right back, everyone. Tova here.
1: I'll admit, when I think of a coach, I immediately think knee-high socks, whistles, and clipboards – Is it because I love Ted Lasso?
0: Maybe. I mean, I think it's a good look for you if I'm being honest.
1: Thanks, I think. Anyway, that's not the kind of coaching we want to talk to you all about.
0: True. We are talking about life and transition coaching, though I do still love a clipboard and a tube sock. Both Riley and I are
1: lucky to have worked with incredible coaches throughout our lives. Before that,
0: though, We struggled with where to start, believing in what coaching could really do for us, and, of course, putting ourselves first.
1: Taking the leap and working with our coaches made all the difference. They gave us direction and support when we needed it
0: most. Now, we are fortunate enough to be coaches ourselves, and we're excited to pay it forward.
1: We can help you figure out where to start, create a roadmap, keep you accountable, and get to living your limitless life
0: sounds pretty great. So if you want to figure out your next steps, check out our services at goboldlyinitiative.com slash services.
1: We can't wait to talk to you. Now, back to the show.
0: All right. Welcome back. Um, Tova, I think you had one more question. I I don't want to put you on the spot. I
1: do. I do. Um, All right. So I was wondering if... Um, there is any component, either something that you carry within you or that you share with your kids or any combination of any of it of like, like you now recognize like bad things happen and like for no reason. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, we can blame it on bad people, but like really just bad things though happen. And so is there any sense of faith or sort of trust in the universe that helps you embrace your power day to day?
2: Yes, very much so now. I don't think I ever, I think I thought about it a lot as a kid, tapped into it a lot, saw it a lot, um, and then didn't for a couple of decades. And now I it's something I very much see. I mean, I don't, it's really interesting. My um, five-year-old who's in preschool asked me this morning, she goes, mama, is is God everything? And I was like, I don't, she goes, does God like make us do things? And I was like, oh, wow. She's asking like deep philosophical questions. Um, but what I said to her I was like, I think, I think there's a loving God. I think there's a loving universe. And I think it's all watching us, but I don't think it makes us do things because bad things happen in the world. I go, but I think the idea is that it's love and it's there to, to make you feel safe. And I really do. I mean, I really do believe that, like I believe that there is power in the universe there's so much energy we're all energy right and the energy and the love around us is supporting us and i feel that very deeply every day because what my family has survived is not something we were meant to survive like i think if anyone out there listening knows very little about the criminal justice system i think the thing that i learned through this process is that when someone is accused of a crime that's generally it because 98% of people accused of a crime will plead guilty because they can't afford to fight it, because of the threats, because of the emotional pain. And so there are many, many people in the world who have pled guilty or are in jail or in prison for crimes they don't believe they committed because of the system. And in our case, when the accuser is someone with trillions of dollars, you really don't think you can survive it. But I think we've survived it because I think there's a there's a lot of love around us and energy that has allowed us to try to fight for the truth. And so I do draw on that all the time.
1: Okay, I do yeah. have one more question. <laughs> <laughs> but do you, do you? I didn't know if you were going to hop into the quick the quick questions. But... No, no,
0: I wasn't going okay. to. I I, I was going to say that I find it really fascinating, having spoken to a lot of women at this point um, in the podcast, that in our generation, and I'm just sort of lumping us all into a similar generation, right? Um, so many of us have that s- the similar experience of having had sort of spirituality of some sort, right, whether it's religion or spirituality or you know something in that genre, right, as children. And then, sort of like not for several decades, and now coming back to it and thinking, okay, well, maybe, maybe there's something there, but it's not like this. Um, it it, it's not as much a religious experience. I don't think. For I mean, and in that, I don't say that in a judgmental way at all, listeners, everyone, watchers, viewers. I don't mean it that way. Please don't send me angry emails. Um. You know, it, what I mean is it, there's just this universal connection I find in particular with women in in this like 40 to 50, 35 to 45 year range uh, who really have had this very similar experience. I know I relate to it deeply and. Um, and it becomes very uncomfortable for people to talk about, and mm-hmm. um, because it's looked down on. And I just want to highlight that you said it, and I hope that's okay, um, because I think it's I think it's something that we should be more open about, and more comfortable talking about, and more willing to share with each other, and and that that there's nothing wrong with it, because we are all energy, we are all connected, we are all. Um, part of the universe together, and so I just wanted to highlight that. Um, but I also, Tova, you wanted to ask one more question. I have one more question too. Sorry, we're going to just keep asking <laughs> you questions because you're just you're a very interesting human, and and I like, <laughs> and I like talking to you. <laughs> um,
1: so my my question, and and you know, um, I I think that. I know once again another saying and if, for anyone who listens to the podcast they know that like I only remember like half of a saying and then I oh yeah you just, never like, quite got them right fill in the blanks so <laughs> I'm okay. like and I'm like it could have been a tweet it could have been a meme I might have seen it in a movie <laughs> I don't know um but sorry that that concept just get close. yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get close enough that concept that um you know whatever you're going through now will be somebody else's like story or inspiration to how they have to get through it right and as now I'm hoping that no one ever goes through what exactly what you've gone through because it's bananas yeah um it's gonna make a great movie though
2: oh it is
1: (laughs) oh oh a hundred percent and and I will just encourage I'm gonna this is not my question I'm diverging for a minute but like anyone who's listening we will ask you at some point at the end for your like social information and stuff and and um but even if you were just Google Amy Nelson. I did it. It's safe. There's only good things. There's like a great article about your pivoting recently. And there's some really interesting articles about what your family has gone through Mm. and your husband has gone through. And I remember when you first started sharing being like, this is like unbelievable, not in like, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. But like, I literally do not believe what I'm reading. And then being like, but, you know, I'm in this network with Amy. So I'm going to just believe Amy, but I don't actually believe what I'm reading. I'm just right. going to believe her because this is crazy. And then as time has gone on, and with the benefit of like court filings, I was like, oh, you are 100% right to believe Amy because <laughs> it is all bananas. You know, like your it's faith bananas. in her was very well placed. Um, but it, it, you know, so I'm I'm really hoping that no one else ever goes through what you're experiencing. That being said, there are people... Every day, going through civil forfeiture, yeah. there are people every yes. day going through job loss that results in them to have to relocate. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, so, you know. And you said statistically, people have to plead guilty because they they have to, or they don't want to go through the trial. Like if if you would only be in jail for six months, but you could be in jail for nine months just to get to the trial, yeah, why wouldn't you just plead guilty? Right, you know. And so. For anyone out there, whether they are just a young woman starting out on Wall Street, or they're somebody who a trillion dollar company is coming after them, you know, the whole landscape where you've had this experience, um, or someone fundraising for a political campaign, you know, everything in between. um, What advice do you give to somebody to help them sort of embrace their own power each day?
2: I think you have to listen to what it is you need to feel powerful and then do that thing i for me ultimately in this situation i figured out the only way i was going to feel powerful is if i used my voice because i felt silenced and i felt pushed into a corner and so even i I mean i really felt like i was like even if nobody believes me even if nobody reads this like i need to tell this story Mm -hmm. because i just have to it was killing me to not and that made me feel powerful. And that made me start to get my power back in my business and my family and my life. And so you just have to listen to whatever it is in you that is that thing, whether it's you need to tell your story or you need to, like, it could be that like the thing that makes you feel powerful is that you meditate for a half hour every day. That could give you all the power in the world. I like suck at meditating, but for some people like that's the thing. And so I think you just have to listen to what that thing is and give it to yourself because giving yourself that gift to feel powerful can transform everything
0: that is fantastic advice that was also my question so i'm oh. glad i'm glad we did it excellent there go. um so uh thank you for that we're gonna do some quick response questions which are a little easier to answer <laughs> okay we'll see Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. so i am gonna ask you five questions i am not allowed to follow up these are just gonna which by me. the way that if you didn't know that side that she just did meant it's like very stressful for her to it, not do this follow-up causes questions. me undue stress okay um so we'll just we'll get started and uh we'll see how we'll see how I do you're gonna do great so all right number one what is on your nightstand
2: a glass of water okay
0: who is at the top of your playlist right now?
2: Brandy Carlisle.
0: Me too. I no follow-ups, Tova. It's just a cheer. <laughs> OK. Number three, how do you relax?
2: I'm, like, the <laughs> worst at relaxing. I play with my kids, I guess. Oh, god.
0: <laughs> I have so many follow-ups to that. Number four, favorite beverage.
2: So weird, diet ginger ale. I don't know. It's so
0: weird. That's
2: so weird. That's. that's I have, <laughs> that's my, I have my favorite questions.
0: By everybody, I have questions. Number five, what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Uh. I know this is a tough one. Tova and I will fill the space until you're ready. Yes. I think, well, yeah, well, <laughs> because otherwise it gets overwhelming for people. So I'll just work on not following. Up I mean, I really questions.
2: think the best piece of advice like to encapsulate all of my mother's advice to me was believe you can do anything and you can.
0: I like it. That's good. That's good advice. I would
2: also say, like, the best piece of advice I ever kind of read wasn't really advice, but I took it as advice directly from the queen herself, Michelle Obama she was and she, she made some comment once about how like she was in a room with a bunch of like really powerful men and she was sitting around the table and she realized that like nobody had any idea what they were doing. And I was like, (laughs) yes, that is true. (laughs) Like, so just pretend and you'll be fine. Yes.
0: When you have that
1: aha moment and you're like,
0: oh, they're just pretending.
1: Yes. (laughs) One of my favorite quotes from a book, I read this, actually it's one of my favorite quotes from like every, every time I see the words, be brave, I'm always like, Yes. Like I'm always inspired. I no matter what. But the extra line that was added in um and I, I think I've said this at least 18 times on the podcast. Um, but I read uh the four wins by Kristen Hannah. And the advice that the one person said was be brave or pretend that you are. There's no difference.
2: It's really good. You that's know, good
1: and one. that extra end, I was just like, Oh, that's the that's the key. That's, that's it. That's really good. <laughs> um well, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Um Where can people find you and The Riveter and all that you're doing right now?
2: Yeah. So The Riveter is on all of our social channels at The Riveter Co, like at The Riveter Co, Um, like Rosie The Riveter. And our website is theriveter.co. And you can find me at Amy underscore K underscore Nelson on Twitter and Instagram are the two mediums I talk on. Someday I'll be on TikTok, but not right now.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, um, we will share all of that in the show notes and on our social when we put everything out. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. A delightful conversation. I enjoyed it. Um, hopefully you guys did. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> yes. You were both amazing.
2: Thank you so much. This was such a fun interview.
0: Good. 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 Um, So we will be back next week with more about Embracing Your Power. And uh, hopefully everyone listening will work on listening to your own inner voices all week long and embracing your power so that you're ready to go for more conversation next Wednesday when, uh, when we're back. So until then, everyone, have a fantastic, wonderful week.
1: Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly Podcast. We know you're busy
0: and we love spending time with you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts right now to rate and review our show. While you're there, be sure to click that subscribe button.
1: Want more us time? Follow us on all the socials at Go Boldly Together.
0: Want even more us time? As in all the coaching pizzazz. Find us at GoBoldlyInitiative.com for all the info.
1: We will be back with more excitement, research, and deep
0: thoughts next week. Until then, keep on being the bold, brave, amazing people we know you already are.